Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Howdy, folks. This is good old JR Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report, and I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice! Welcome to the Ross Report. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, Slopping Knocker Audio is on the air. I am Jim Ross. Thank you very much for downloading our program. You know, you can do it for free when you subscribe at uh, Apple Podcasts. Absolutely costless. There's no money involved. It takes you about two minutes. And uh, we appreciate that. It helps us out a lot, too, especially when you leave those nice comments and the five-star rating. I thought I was a five-star football player in the ninth grade until my dad straightened me out. I'll tell you that story someday. It's a dandy. It's a dandy. Today's show going to be an interesting one because we have two guys I have a great deal of respect for joining us. And they are both starting new ventures. They're both starting new phases in their professional lives. I was talking about John Pollock, for one. John, uh, you know, for, for so many years, was so closely associated with live audio wrestling. Great show, by the way. Great audio show. I used to listen to on Sunday nights. I enjoyed the heck out of it. But those days are past, and new days are here uh, with his venture called PostWrestling.com. As he and uh, Wei Ting are bringing it some really top flight reporting and audio and uh, breaking news at postwrestling.com. We'll talk about that here with John, obviously. And uh, also, a first timer on the program, not a first timer for he and I to talk because we worked together uh, on multiple occasions. Talking about Ron Harris, one half of the uh, Ron and Don Harris twin combination, the Disciples of Apocalypse, eight ball. Now it's more trivia answers for you. What role did Ron Harris play in the 1998 result of the apocalypse of something? I can't never forget when I talked talk about the apocalypse. I remember bringing Mr. Barnett into the uh, only 
air conditioned locker room in the Dorton Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina. Before Raleigh built their fancy Dan Arena they got now, they had the Dorton Arena. And the irony of that is I think most of it built out of glass or something. It's weird looking. And it was not air conditioned in the body of the arena. Not comfortable at all. And of course, yes, we do TV there in the summertime for when I was working with Crockett. Hot, sweaty, the sweat would run down your back, right through your man parts, down your leg. Horrible, horrible. That's why I learned you have to wear dark clothing at every broadcast assignment just in case. Many just in cases out there. So anyway, we're going to have TV that night, and it's middle of the afternoon, late afternoon, whatever, and still several hours from the taping. And he's sweating, and you know he's dabbing and sweating. And so he says, you know, I'm so hot. Well, let's go back to Dusty's uh, room, and it's, I think it's air conditioned. Oh, my God. So we go to Dusty's room. So we walk into Dusty's locker room. He's doing his Marlon Brando from Apocalypse Now impersonation, except that he's lying on the cool floor, wearing absolutely nothing but his Austin Hall boots that he wrestled in. Nothing else. Nothing. The American dream was in full display. And uh, Marnett's, oh, my God. Is this a joke? <laughs> no, I didn't plan on it. Everybody, places, please. Here comes J.R. and Mr. Barnett. It just worked out the way. Funnier than hell because Barnett said that he was so repulsed that he might change teams. But don't count on it. <laughs> so, Jim Barnett, Dusty Rhodes, are you an assassin or an errand boy? That was it. I saw it. Are you an assassin or an errand boy? But the bottom line here of this craziness is the fact that we will be talking to Ron Harris, one of the owners of the new promotion, Arrow Lucha, who's going to start running some live events imminently. So we'll talk to uh, Ron about that. Why, why now, the niche they think they're filling, long-term goals, so forth and so on. So it's a, it should be a very informative conversation, both guys. And, of course, uh, we'll get to it momentarily. But you know what you need. You know, you got to have what you need. You need to have what you got. And you got to know what's on my mind. It's time! It's time! It's- what's on JR's mind? Well, to catch you up on my thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom 12, you know, Josh Barnett and I voiced over that show in the Access TV studios in Los Angeles on Thursday, the 4th of January in the afternoon. The event was earlier that morning or earlier that late that night in the gangland hideout of Elliot Ness. But nonetheless, a few hours after the show, and we got to sit down and voice it over. I was really lucky that I had some other projects out there that I was working on and it helped keep me off social media because I don't have the self-discipline or the integrity to not peek. Uh, I'm kidding. I do have the integrity not to look at video, uh, but I would have probably read more about it if I had searched it out. I just didn't have time to search it out. So it really worked out perfectly for me because, uh, and I think Josh the same way, I don't believe either of us watched a, a frame of video before we voiced those shows over. So uh, it was good. It was good to be able to do it that way and get a a fresh feel. I wasn't preconditioned. I didn't read a lot of match uh, information. I knew who won and who lost, pretty much about it. But the specifics of the matches, I didn't have the time or the inclination to want to read about it. 
until I worked. And now it's over. I've been reading about it. And it's interesting to get people's thoughts on the event. I'll give you mine. I, I thought that, uh, you know, we voiced over, I think, every match that's going to be airing in the next few weeks on Access TV on Friday nights, as always. And the this past Saturday was the January 6th was the three-hour special. I think it's still available on uh, DirecTV on, on Demand. I think that's uh, the case. That was a fun show to do, but we did all the other matches as well that are going to be rolled out on uh, the next few uh, Friday nights. And there's some damn good ones, too, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, a lot of really good stuff coming up in the the next few weeks, especially from Wrestle Kingdom 12, Access TV. I watch it, as I mentioned, on uh, DirecTV Channel 340. And as I mentioned, I think DirecTV On Demand has some of the, the more vintage shows that we've done. And I had a lot of fun. I thought the, you know, we did a, the show was about a three-hour broadcast for Saturday night. It took us about four and a half hours to do it. That's just because we stopped and took breaks after each match and kind of rejuvenated ourselves, you know, got to recharge our batteries, which for an old guy like me means taking a pee break. Then you come back all invigorated, feeling good about yourself. <laughs> oh, Lord. But it, we, it was fun. And, you know, it's, it's a lot different being in a room with big television monitors in front of you and talking into a headset and trying to fe- make yourself feel that you're, you're there or you're sure as hell closer to there than here. But that's a part of the, the job that has always been challenging for a lot of broadcasters and certainly myself included. But the good ones can make a voiceover sound pretty darn good. The feedback I've seen some didn't like it, you know, some like Kevin Kelly and Don Callis. I get it. No problem here. They do a good job, but it's a different presentation. Josh and I have a different, different brand of music. That's all. Don't mean it's better. Just means it's different. Simple as that. Card was well done. I, Okada and Naito going on last made all the sense in the world to me because they're two of the big four in New Japan in one match. And the top title, the IWGP heavyweight title, was what was at stake, great positioning for that. And you don't just take years of tradition and uh, building the foundation for this championship and move it down the card. And I know that uh, that's happened. Uh, I think the vote four years ago or so when they did the vote and Nido was voted out of the main event and didn't close the show. I don't agree with that one either, quite frankly. And But nonetheless, it was well booked. The last match followed everything. And I mean everything. And it delivered in a big, big way. It was a hell of a match. So Okada and Naito are really to be commended for their work ethic, the logic that they utilized in that match, and both guys being unselfish uh, were the beneficiaries of that unselfishness always being the same folks, the fans. Everybody should think that way. I'm telling you. Someday you look around, those fans aren't there. You're going to say, oh, shit. What happened? Omega and Jericho had the the most amazing and organic feeling hype going into the show as I felt in a long time. It did feel a little Mid-South Wrestling-ish, a little NWA-ish at times. I liked it. So that match had high, high expectations. I felt like that Omega and Jericho, the two boys from Winnipeg, delivered in a big-time way. I really enjoyed calling that match. I liked the story they told. I liked the the logical things that one would do in the same similar or similar situation. You, at least we think 
Jericho is a, I know Marty Sherl is the villain, but Jericho is maybe the villain PhD. He's really good. He doesn't wrestle to be cool. He wrestles in his villain persona to be disliked. He seems to be more interested in the finished product in the ring than he is on how many t-shirts he sold at the end of the event. So my hat's off to both guys. It was a, a exciting way of the match had a lot of twists and turns. I enjoyed, uh, again, I wasn't preconditioned. I didn't read through their match step by step or anything even remotely close to that. So I kind of watched it kind of, I knew the Omega went over, but why wouldn't he have gone over? He's sticking around. And yeah, I know Jericho is just something with Nido the next night. I'm assuming, and I have no verification of this, but I'm assuming that you're looking for something big in Osaka with Nido and Jericho. I don't think Jericho is going to start another wrestling career with a full-time or semi-full-time schedule in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I say Jericho simply as a guy that's going to come in, help build to a big show, and then come in and deliver the goods. And any of us that are wrestling fans would dig saying Nido and Jericho. That's good stuff right there. So I, Omega and Jericho lived up to its hype. I liked it. It's always incredible to see Tanahashi have high-level matches and see his game evolve to that, that next level almost when he needs it to be. I really am impressed with uh, Mr. Tanahashi. The Intercontinental title is at stake. Jay White looks to be like on the fast track, on the uh, vividly on the New Japan radar. I think that's good, by the way. Talented kid. But a lot of folks going into this match for wondering, well, is it is it past the torch time? I don't know if it's past the torch time or not. I just didn't think going in that it was time to pass the torch. If that means Jay White winning at Russell Kingdom 12 over Tanahashi. I didn't feel that one. I wasn't quite ready for it. As it worked out, Jay White can build on that match immensely because he had a hell of a match, great outing, with one of the best of all time. And some say the best of all time. So I thought there were two winners. Here's the thing. And you go into a big match thing, folks. Think about this when you're doing booking. If you have a high-level match and the young guy is doing the honors, again, like Jay White was obligated to do, the thing about it is you want to make sure if you're going down that you're going down with amazing grace and honor, memorable. Give me something here. And I thought Jay White made a hell of an accounting for himself. I hope that that Josh and I took took good care of him. We tried to. The only thing I would say that uh, I would have liked to have seen is Jay worked on Tanahashi's leg really, really well the first half of the match. And then for some reason, he kind of drifted away from that. And we could have made a bigger deal out of it than than it was. And, the re, and if it was real, you know he'd make a big deal out of it because it's it's kind of head-scratching. Why is the guy, his adversary's older, he's 41, he's got a bad wheel, the bad wheel's hurt, you've done a, you've done a great job of isolating it in the early part of the match, and now for some reason that intent has disappeared and you moved to another body part. So if it was real... You'd ask those questions. In, in the world of pro wrestling, you throw it out there and you know you make sure you're aware of it. And it might be something for the fans to think about. It might be an excuse for Jay White fans to say he lost. Well, he got, out of his, he got away from his game plan. I could see that. That's an argument. But nonetheless, 
Uh, Jay White had a, a memorable night on January 4th in the Tokyo Dome. And uh, he, he can build on that performance to bigger and better things. And obviously, unless he self-destructs or he can't stay healthy or some of the things that happen in the, in the business, he's uh, seemingly designated for big things. So uh, and congratulations to him. I know Tony Gribby proud of him, fellow New Zealander. And how about Luke and Butch, Bushwhackers? Before that, they were the sheep herders. We all know that. Then our first match on our show, or the special, was Cody and Ibushi. Hell of a, hell of a solid match. Uh, you know, it was what it needed to be, I thought. It was logical. made sense. Wasn't sure I was going to like all the interaction with Brandy. But as it worked out, it didn't bother me. I think the it was just so foreign, no pun intended, to see a female manager role person in even involved in the process there because you don't ever see women hardly in New Japan. So it was just an odd fit or an unusual fit, but I thought it worked out fine. I thought uh, both guys had a good night and it was a good stage for uh, Randy to be uh, uh, joined at the hip to her husband. That part creatively, it makes a lot of sense. I don't just don't know what you do. And I, you know, Who's on the other side that can neutralize Brandy? Because you sure as hell don't want any male on female aggression. You got to worry about all that you're going to get when Abushi had a misguided cross body over the top, and she caught some of it. But that was well done. So uh, it was a heel thing to do. It was a, just kind of a disgusting thing to do, right? So Cody worked hard to, to be that villain that he wants to be. And he's getting really good. I like the blonde hair too, by the way. But the show was good. You know, the, uh, the, like I said, the balance of the matches are going to air on Friday nights on Access TV. Check them out because there's some really good stuff coming up going forward. And I believe, as I understand it, all those matches that we did, we, well, they're all in their entirety. So when they rerun, so in other words, there'll be a Friday night coming up in the next few weeks where you'll have, they'll have Omega and Jericho again. And that'll probably comprise basically one show, one hour with all the interviews, pre post, all that good stuff. So. Uh, and I might be wrong there, but I, the match will definitely air again in the Friday night one-hour form in the next several weeks. So all that stuff will be, be repackaged. So that all the material that was that aired on the Saturday night special will be broken up into individual shows. There you go. That's the update from the home office. I have the info. They're really working hard to stay uh, get more current. I know normally I go out to L.A. and do these voiceovers like I did the Wrestle Kingdom show about every six weeks, something like that, six or seven weeks. And now that whole schedule has been imploded. So I'm going, I'm making now monthly trips, pretty much monthly trips to LA so that the voiceovers stay more current. I appreciate the effort there because access doing, they worked really worked hard to get these, uh, that Saturday night show ready and uh, did a great job. The packages were done there in LA and the video packages I thought was cool. The history packages told a nice story. It made it easier for Josh and I. The only thing I wanted to see before the show started was the packages because that influences what I want to or may want to say or want to add or underscore when, the, when we come out of the package over the entrance. Don't want to be too redundant, obviously, but if something's viable and it's worth uh, underscoring and emphasizing somewhat, then you do. So if I thought the guys that accessed it a really good job. Danny Zach worked tireless hours and his crew 
uh, on the show, making it look good, sound good, get it delivered on time. So uh, I appreciate their, their efforts very much. I'm glad to be on the team, fellas. Hey, I got a nice email from Mark Cuban on my birthday. I'm not kidding you. Mark, the Mark Cuban, ladies and gentlemen, my boss for Access TV, sent me a nice uh, personally uh, written email on my birthday. I appreciated it. Nice. He wasn't the only billionaire to contact me on my birthday, by the way. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Could something be afloat? You never know. I'll never tell you. By the way, speaking of the New Japan stuff on Access TV, there's a live event coming, I think, in middle of March, March 25th, I think, 24th, 25th. I have all the information. But the tickets for the big event coming live in March at the uh, Walter Pyramid in Long Beach. Tickets going to sell for that event on January 29th at uh, njpw1972.com. I'm sure if you go to that uh, website, they'll give you all the information you need regarding being with us live one night only, live on Access TV. It's going to be a lot of fun. Josh and I will be at ringside, so don't be scared. Come ready to play. So I want to tip my black hat to WWE's creative folks for the mixed tag concept that they're uh, they're doing uh, this mixed match challenge. Very creative. It's an old match. Mixed tags are kind of always kind of like that gimmick match, the attraction match, but it's a neat idea because it gets more talent on our screen and specifically in a unique way, because it's going to be airing on uh, Facebook watch. Very cool. I have never really enjoyed Facebook watch. I don't think, but I'd certainly be interested in, in uh, checking that out. See how it looks, how it sounds. And the winning team gets, uh, I think they're donating $100,000, the WWE is, to the charity of their choice, something like that. It was a cool idea. And they're taking something old and making it new again. They're putting on a new digital vehicle, Facebook Watch. I'm curious how it all turns out. And it looks like it's going to be a fun, fun project. It might just be me, and if so, excuse me. But it seems like uh, that the Women's Royal Rumble is stealing some of the thunder from the Men's Royal Rumble that will be held in Philadelphia on Sunday, January 28th, by the way. And it's just so novel. It's new. I really applaud, again, WWE for that idea because and why not? They got the talent, and they have access to the talent to make it uh, entertaining and interesting. You can accomplish a lot of things and create a lot of rivalries in a match like the Royal Rumble. You got to know where you want to go, obviously. But but if you know where you want to go with certain talents, having them intersect at the, um, have the old malfunction at the junction, then you're in a perfect environment for that to occur. So I, I like it. And I also like the fact, from what I understand, the rules are going to be exactly the same as the men. Over the top rope, both feet touching the floor, you're gone. So I wouldn't want to amend the rules, any. I think most women that would be in this event would say, we want to be treated just like the men. And by the way, paid just like the men. So rules, I, rules, I keep them the same, without a doubt. But nonetheless, it's a good idea. And uh, I'm excited to be in Philly that weekend, the weekend of uh, Sunday, January 28th. And speaking of uh, Sunday, January 28th, myself, and Jeremy Borash and our entire crew, our traveling road show, will be in Philadelphia at noon on Sunday, Royal Rumble Sunday, 
on January 28th. We'll be doing a very unique event, first of its kind, called the Slobberknocker Sessions. It's going to be at the Diamond Club at Citizens Bank Ballpark, right there in the general vicinity of the of the arena. Very handy. And, of course, the Citizens Bank Ballpark is home of the Philadelphia Phillies. And the tickets are on sale. We put 100 tickets on sale. They're selling fast. There are not many left, but they're Ticketfly.com. Ticketfly.com. Slobberknocker Sessions. For your price of admission, you get the uh, meet and greet, the Q&A, the photo op. I'm going to give you a uh, copy of uh, Slobberknocker, the hardback, signed as you would choose. It's a kind of a value pack thing. I, I It's a lot of interesting elements that we've found that we enjoy doing and have done well, kind of putting them all together. So, And it's a good way to get a free book and get it signed. Ticketfly.com has your tickets. I'd love to see you on Royal Rumble Sunday in Philly. Hey, just a quick mention, uh, the Qualifier Alley Club does a phenomenal job in helping those in the wrestling business. They've done it for many, many years. A great nonprofit organization. Well, once a year, they have a function. They have one function a year, and it's going to be on April 29th through May the 2nd in Las Vegas, as always, and as, as always at the Gold Coast uh, Hotel and Casino. And uh, I will be there during that time. And looking forward to it always. And one of my, it was one of Jan's, uh, Miss Jan's favorite events. She loved going to the Cauliflower Alley Club, visiting with her friends and old, old acquaintances and so forth. It's just uh, always refreshing to see all the friends that we see there and all the stars. And I don't know if I'm a wrestling fan, I got to think about going to that deal. So I'd highly recommend it. The Cauliflower Alley Club, April 29th through May 2nd. Las Vegas at the Gold Coast. And if you want information, can I get you information? I got people on the inside there, man. I mean it. CaulifierAlleyClub.org. That's a secret code word. CaulifierAlleyClub.org. Go there. I dare you. You know, I always, always like to uh, acknowledge my friends and my peers, the folks I worked with, their accomplishments. Nobody I know had a bigger accomplishment recently than Christy Hemming. Because she gave birth to four children. Four children, I say. Wow. That is amazing. God bless her and her husband. So she's well, healthy, and the babies are all healthy. I saw their names on uh, somewhere on social media. You can tell they did some thinking on those kids' names. I love it. Funny stuff. Good stuff. Memorable stuff. But the bottom line is, in all seriousness, is that uh, mom and the babies are doing well. So... Christy, congratulations. I'll to get you on the show to talk about motherhood sometime. Hey, remember that I have a website. You guys know that? I have a website called jrsbarbecue.com. jrsbarbq.com. jrsbarbq.com. Better known as the loneliest website in the whole wide world. And uh, I have an asked to remind you, my fault for not doing it more and sooner, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Yes, indeed. Facebook, Jim Ross BBQ. And uh, last sad plug will be for Twitter. I do the Twitter account myself. I have help with Facebook and Instagram, even though I'm on them. Sean Cradle and his army take care of that. They're good soldiers, too. The best. He just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Sean. But I am on, I handle the Twitter. So it's all my, if something screws up, it's bad. I raise my hand. At JRSBBQ. Okay? So you got that stuff. 
I want to thank everybody for my birthday wishes last week. January 3rd was my birthday, and I thank you all. A lot of uh, great social media interaction. Very, very nice. One of the coolest things that happened to me on my birthday was the owner of Podcast One, Norm Pattitz, who uh, is uh, one of the most brilliant men in broadcasting, without a doubt. He's hired me and Stone Cold both. So there you go. Will you stop patting yourself on the back? You're going to break your arm. But anyway, Norm has uh, courtside tickets to the Lakers. Well, who did the Lakers play on January 3rd in Los Angeles? The Oklahoma City Thunder. So I find myself sitting on the court on the same row with the players of the Lakers. There's like three chairs between us and the the team. So I want to thank Norm for his uh, kindness. I appreciate it very much. So that was a cool birthday. And that was coming off the heels, you know, the other Rose Bowl. You know, eh. You know, still still downtrodden a little bit. But we had a good year. Kids played hard. We've got good players, and we've got a great staff. And, boy, the recruiting has been amazing. The, the recruiting hall of that Army All-American game was a big-time bonanza. So uh, we'll be fine. And those of you that, that can't handle having a two-loss season, well, move on to another school. I'm sure you can find one very easily. It does better than that every year. Not. So, ladies and gentlemen, I think we covered all of our bases here today. We've got two great guests coming your way momentarily because that's what's on my mind. Podcast One remembers broadcasting legend Dick Enberg. A hearty welcome to Steve Kerr. What a thrill to have listened to you all these years. He's basketball Hall of Famer John Calipari. You uh, still have the great voice of all time. Tennis Hall of Famer Billie Jean King. I just hope everyone listening understands what an icon you are. He's my all-American friend Bill Walton. Dick Enberg, I love you. Listen to his amazing stories and his final interviews on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg Podcast. Only on Podcast One or the Podcast One app. Well, here we are, folks. It's 2018, all right. Great year starting off with a bang. Wish my Rose Bowl had been different. But, uh, hey, look, I'm happy Tony Schiavone and A.J. Styles and all those those young guys uh, cheering for the Georgia Bulldogs. How about them dogs? They're having a good run, right? It's a good run. Good for them. Good for them. But 2018 is going to be a great year. We've got a lot of big things coming up. Our Slobberknocker Sessions in Philadelphia on the Royal Rumble Sunday. All kinds of neat things. And, you know, not to mention the little thing called the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. It's a cool cool month for, for me, I can tell you. Really blessed. And I'm also very thankful that you guys are finding our products at www.shop.com. It's a really simple way to facilitate our products, our barbecue sauces. We have a hot and original. The original is the number one seller. So when you find it out, it's just all going to be out temporarily. Uh, we have our beef jerky there, the great all-purpose seasoning. This seasoning is so damn good. It's great for our dry rub, but it's also just as effective and just as tasty with uh, items you're cooking on the stovetop or you're baking. It's an amazing, amazing condiment without, without a question. Great seasoning. Check that out. The jerky's made in Oklahoma. It's uh, 97% fat-free, made from the eye of round, high quality. So uh, www.shop.com has all of our products uh, they do a wonderful job of customer service, order fulfillment. Your order's turned around quickly. It's a big-time professional deal. We're very blessed to be in business with them, and they sell a lot of product for us, of which we're very grateful. So www.shop.com is where you can uh, grab some sauce and ketchup and mustard and so forth, and we appreciate it. You know, and I, I talk about it from time to time because I enjoy doing business with them, but they're more friends than anything else, and that's the, the guys at ProWrestlingTees.com. I find them 
entertaining to, to do business with because they're just as excited about being a fan as I am. And, uh, it's refreshing. They're grown up now. They've been fans since they were kids, just like me, but now they're grown up and they're in the business and they're in the business of continuing to interface with wrestling fans. I think it's great. So pro is a great outlet. The creative there, the shirts, all the items that are available uh, are amazing. You know, Hulk Hogan's uh, got some shirts and stuff there now, which is a big, big get for the guys, pro wrestling tees, like stone cold, killing it, bullet club, killing it. So, and they've even got some JR stuff. So, uh, represent the slobber knocker. Slobberknocker world, <laughs> if you choose to. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Jim Ross, and I thank you for your business, and it helps us a bunch, and I thank you for that. The Ross Report. He's always one of the most popular guests on The Ross Report. He's been on many times, hopefully more times to come. Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, John Pollock. We're talking to him from Toronto. How are you, John? Uh, I'm very cold up here in Toronto, Jim. We have... Uh... A number of feet of snow that have descended upon us. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how I'm doing. But uh, great to be on the show with you again. But you always, it's a, it's a winter wonderland, baby. It's a winter that, wonderland. That is it. That is it. We have talked so many times in the show, and I was mentioning before we, we started recording, that John is uh, invaluable to me for his notes and his thoughts on uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And every time we get, I go to L.A. to do a load of voiceovers, John's always there because he, he helps me with these notes. I am dependent on your notes, John. Well, I'm, I'm glad I can help. They're, uh, they're a great exercise for me as well. Like, I'm constantly making notes just about all the different news, and it's uh, something that, that helps me. And uh, if I can be of any, any assistance uh, for you, catching you up to speed, uh, more, more than happy to, uh, to provide. All right, so catch us up to speed on your new gig, because for so long you have been associated with live audio wrestling. And mm-hmm. it was a part of my late Sunday nights for a long time. You have Meltzer on and other guys. And I was thoroughly entertained by that show and was absolutely shocked that uh, it, it's no longer. So what happened with live audio wrestling? We're not going to be belabor it, but what, what happened to live audio wrestling? And I'm assuming it has something to do with financial. I don't know, but it seems like it usually is. And, yeah. And, say, what are you, and so now with that, how are you going to turn that momentum that you've built and you earn the equity into something new for yourself. Yeah, well, to catch people up to speed, I mean, uh, I had been working uh, with the law since uh, it, since the early 2000s, and then the law was purchased by the Fight Network, which at the time was just a startup uh, Canadian uh, broadcaster. So they brought the law in. From there, I was able to segue and get a full-time job working at the Fight Network. So that has been my full-time job since 2005. And then over this past year, uh, there were definitely a lot of hardships at the Fight Network. There were a, there was a big round of cuts back in March, and this isn't foreign to anyone that's following the media landscape. It's kind of a reality of things, and it essentially wiped out our original programming and news division uh, with the law staying on board at the time with the idea that, you know, myself and the people I worked with at the law that... We had been able to build up an audience, and they saw a value in that. Uh, we weren't naive to this fact that we were kind of the last vestige of, of original content, of news gathering, and reporting. So when the second round of cuts came, and we, we were not left uh, kind of in the dark that another round could come, we all knew we would probably be a part of that, and we were. So at the end of October, uh, we all got our notice that uh, we were being let go, and... Uh, to me, it was 
yes, uh, it's a big change in my career, but one that uh, for a long time, I've looked at the idea of what could we do on our own. And myself and Wei Ting, I think we have built up a big following that it's one thing to be doing all of this when you're working for someone else and it's it's theirs. You take a certain ownership of it, but this is now a literal literal ownership that we're taking with the launch of postwrestling.com. This is our own idea. This is our own concept. It's a website. It's a podcast network. It's an outlet for people that were fans of ours in the past that now have a, a go-to place to go for all of our shows and our news. So that's my that's my full-time dedication at this point is with uh, post-wrestling. That and staying out of snowdrifts. That's it. Yeah. I mean, this was a uh, it's always been something that, you know, we've, we've had in mind. And I think it's something that we couldn't have done at the Fight Network. So uh, having having this opportunity, the last two months, I can tell you, Jim, have been the most exciting uh, of my career. That when you're starting something from scratch, where we were on October the 30th versus where we were on Christmas Eve, launching our site and the response we received, it was tremendous. Yeah, you got a lot of loyal fans and, and I as well, which I'm very grateful for. People don't, sometimes, the, the naysayers look down on pro wrestling as a, you know, it belongs in a three-ring circus, but not the center ring. And, and I, of course, take exception to that. But I think you're going to do just fine. Postwrestling.com. So that's the, that's the main hub we're sending everyone to. And we also have a Patreon uh, connected to that at patreon.com slash postwrestling that we're offering a lot of uh, added and bonus shows other little gifts and incentives for people that uh, just want to keep the site going and stuff. So those are the two go-to places, postwrestling.com, patreon.com, slash postwrestling. What is uh, Patreon exactly? It's, explain that to an old-timer that's not quite up to knowing how to program his VCR. Patreon is a unique service that has uh, come up over the last, I, I would say, couple of years. It first came on my radar, I guess, about two years and it's a great outlet, especially for people that are creating content, whether it be musicians, artists, or in my case, a, a podcaster, a reporter, where a lot of this, it, it does take a lot of time. It does take a lot. It's a way to be able to have a lot of your audience that can throw uh, some of their money and support you and keep things going. Uh, the way our Patreon is broken up to, it's, it's in four tiers, and that ranges from you can put up $6 a month, and it's kind of like you're just subscribing to your your favorite podcast, and it helps it keep going. And then you have added incentives if you want to go a bit higher. And it's it's something that I think it's very, it's very artist-friendly because uh, Patreon doesn't really take a, a whole lot of it. It's a very small amount that they take, and a lot of it just goes right back to the artist so they can create their work and hopefully turn a lot of hobbies into a living that's kind of uh, the incentive and it's it's hopefully people that have that kind of relationship with their audience that those people are comfortable setting aside a few dollars every month because they want to hear these shows keep going they want to hear those voices uh, that are out there i subscribe to a few myself of people that i follow and it's 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 just a way to uh, either help people start things up and potentially take hobbies and turn them into full-time work yeah, it's a great concept, really is. Now, now you've explained it to me. I get it. I get it. I'm assuming, John, if I go to postwrestling.com, I can uh, access your not only your blog but uh, your podcasting shows as well, right? Yeah, the the website we have a we want to keep as much free as we can. So you go to the website 
I am constantly posting news, uh, daily updates um, are always up there, as well as all of our core shows that are free there. So myself and Way, um, every Monday night, there is a show there uh, reviewing Raw, the news of the day. We have a review for SmackDown. We have a lot of other shows that we're introducing as well. I was impressed with your site and what they did for Wrestle Kingdom 12. You guys are not missing a beat, are you? No, that, that was the hope. I mean, we want to have a lot of free content up there. Uh, we're providing a, a lot of news out there. And yeah, Wrestle Kingdom, obviously a huge show. So we did a preview of it. And then for patron subscribers, we also did a huge uh, review of the show as well. Um, with actually someone that was there live at the Tokyo Dome uh, joining us as well. That's cool. The uh, podcast business is, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm trying to think of a word right now, maybe daunting. Mm-hmm. There's so much content within our, our genre, and our genre meaning wrestling, or even, even taking that farther, another step outside the fence would be the but MMA. In your view, what's going to make your podcast or your site postwrestling.com different? Well, I, I've, you know, I've, I've looked at this kind of over the last number of years with just so many, especially wrestling podcasts that have come out and been introduced into the market. And I think maybe it's just because uh, you study the pro wrestling industry that I always come back to. It's personalities that are going to di- differentiate your shows. Um, myself, I'm, I'm, a hu- I'm not a huge sports fan, but when there's a big sports story, I know who my go-to hosts are, who I want to hear their take about things. Uh, it's no different than when you look at a lineup of a wrestling show, and certain names are going to draw your attention to, and hopefully that you're able to build that audience. And I hope that there's a lot of people out there that when there is a big show, when there is a WWE pay-per-view, people are curious to hear what my two cents are on the show. So I think that's the most important thing is to have that relationship with your audience so that when uh, Chris Jericho is doing a dozen interviews with all these different sites out there, that the dynamic of Jim Ross speaking with Chris Jericho, that's something that, you know, I don't have time for 18 interviews, but I'm going to make time for that specific interview because that's a person I want to hear interviewing Chris Jericho and that interaction based on a past relationship, based on the kind of questions I can expect from that. So I think that's, that's the same with myself, trying to differentiate it and, and have something unique to offer for the listener that, hey, they don't have all the time in the world. Following wrestling is a full-time job. Following wrestling podcasts is probably uh, pressing things for people. So that's the key, in my opinion. Do you think that uh, there are many journalists that follow and report on uh, pro wrestling is it their job to be objective? Is it their job to provide an opinion? Both the above. Could some of that information, John, be framed a little bit more positively? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that, that when you look, everyone is going to have a different style and, in a, and their own philosophy of reporting. I think today, I think to, to harken back to a time when it was just simply the news anchor would come on and and distribute the news without opinion, without analysis. I think that people do crave that from a lot of these people. I think that one of the things going back to differentiating ourselves is the fact that when a story comes out, you kind of want to hear further context. You want to hear opinion. You want to hear that kind of a reaction. So I think you have to go that way. I have always been of the belief that you never want to be someone that is 
completely negative on everything because that gets old real quick. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't think you want to have someone that is just everything's perfect, everything's rosy, and you don't apply critical thought to things. I feel people just want to hear honesty and and an objective nature to things. I don't feel they they just want to hear someone uh, crash something over and over and over again. Uh, people see through that stuff, and I think they see through the opposite as well. It's a fine line. There's people that you're probably going to turn off. It's just kind of the nature of where you are when you're providing an opinion. But I think, you know, I always strive to present this as I am a reporter and I'm, and I realize that there is a professional way to, to discuss this, to have a, to have an interesting conversation about things without simply, um, descending to a level that I think turns people off. John Pollock is uh, on Twitter, folks. At I am John Pollock, P-O-L-L-O-C-K is the spelling of that last name. I am John Pollock on Twitter. Way's on Twitter too, ladies and gentlemen. Way Ting. But he is at Way0937. That's it. So follow those dudes. They're, they're very intelligent reads, and it's not a, let's see who can knock themselves out the fastest with their own knee jerk. And I, and I get that feeling with a lot of guys. I follow some people on Twitter that have these sites, and God almighty, you'd think they would almost kill them to say something positive about anything. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that you never want to paintbrush, like, the entire uh, entity of anything as one thing. You know, I just feel like I want to have an audience that they are listening to a show where it's like you are listening to two people that you wouldn't mind hanging out with to to talk about something. And you can be critical. I think that that you can absolutely, to, to me... Having an objective point of view, um, that's something interesting to hear that side of things. At the same time, it's, I think people want to hear um, their critiques of, of whatever kind of content they're consuming. They're, regardless of wrestling, the latest Star Wars movie, I mean, you're always going to get kind of extremes on both sides, and you're going to get all things in between as well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess it, it must be working for some of those sites to get the clicks, and I just see it as a sign of the time. Yeah. One thing I'll, I think I'll add, and I see this especially, I see it in mixed martial arts, I see it in professional wrestling as well, that for the athletes involved, for the performers involved, sometimes there's kind of just this lumping together of what they see on Twitter. Their Twitter mentions somehow are representative of the media. And, you know, there's, there's some media that I'm sure you'll look at and see they could do better. But sometimes a lot, it's, it's fans that will say, awful things to these people and that's kind of the image they project on the media as a whole and i think that's that's unfair to the ones that do it professionally and i think in pro wrestling and mma there's a lot of people that put a lot of hard work a lot of time into this to be professional to be that to be that kind of voice to inform the public and sometimes media gets a bad rap and certainly i'm biased kind of being part of it uh but i think that's important too that I don't know how some of these people uh, can handle being on Twitter and the things that are stated to them, but I think that you never want to paintbrush everybody as kind of when you look at the lowest common denominator. That's not indicative of everybody. You're uh, surrounded by snow in lovely Toronto. I was really hoping that one year we did a press conference there, I think for WrestleMania 18, yeah. and Carl DeMarco said that if we sold out, he would uh, run down, what's that, Long Street, uh, York, or... Might have been Front Street, perhaps. One of the longest streets in North America, or something like that. Anyway. Young Street, maybe. Might be Young Street, yeah. 
I, I think everyone has the image of Carl DeMarco that you're about to uh, yeah, yeah, drive in their head. So they're not thinking of Young Street right now. It's Speedo. He was going to wear it. <laughs> I said, well, if we sell out, you got to do some stunt. You got to get some, you know, tease it. Okay, I'll, I'll do a, I'll run the, from such and such New York Street to the next place, Young, where it was, in a Speedo. And I said, well, first of all, they'll take women and children off the streets. And secondly, you're going to run about as far as I would, maybe 100 yards, and then it's over for both of us. So I, I never got to see that. But now there's a new wrestling game in town. These guys that have bought uh, Impact, Anthem. What do you know about them? Have you had experience with these guys or something? I'm just, you and I talked casually one time about that. I can't remember what we, what we finally discussed, but tell me the lowdown on Anthem. Well, I mean, just for, for background, I mean, Anthem, Anthem Media was the, the parent company of the Fight Network. So it was... Uh, they eventually purchased Impact in late 2016. So uh, it made my last year kind of interesting, where I was essentially reporting on my own company. And I'll just be transparent here. I mean, there was definitely like this, this, this dividing line where people there, they realized I was a reporter. And I mean, I was, it, was, it was made clear because I made it clear that I would be doing my job as I see fit. It, it wasn't going to be as though, well, impact is now off limits or impact is, is something that is, is not going to get the same level of coverage any other company gets. And I was told right from the top that, listen, you treat this company like you treat any other one. And if that wasn't the case, I, I would not have stayed there. So that was, that was the last year, but it, it was, it was definitely, I, I think, uh, a challenge when you're suddenly your company is now getting invested and, and purchasing um, Impact Wrestling. So just to set the scene there. Now, the people that are kind of on the Impact side, uh, Ed Nordholm is the one who is kind of the, the executive vice president. And now they're bringing in Don Callis and Scott Demore to kind of, it seems, running the day-to-day operations of things. And I think that Don Callis and Scott Demore together, I think that's a good move. I think that those are, are two guys with a lot of experience. I think if you look at the, the history of TNA, I think Scott Demore was someone that was really onto something in 2005, 2006, where if you were to take that version of TNA, had it truly developed itself and grown some of the stars that were part of that, and now you see them as major stars in the WWE, in AJ Styles, in Samoa Joe, in Bobby Roode. I mean, so much talent that they had there. That was a vision that I think had they really doubled down on that vision in 2005, I think TNA, you would have seen a much different um, rollout of that company over the the, the next uh, number of years. So as they start, start 2018, I think that they certainly have a gigantic task ahead of them, A, to somewhat bring back uh, people's faith that this company can turn things around. There's just been so many promises that this is the new impact. This is the new TNA. We've really got the winning strategy this time. I don't think any lip service is going to bear any fruit for them at this point. It's going to be a show me kind of mentality this audience is going to have. And and you're competing with so much in 2018. Six years ago, they had they had their kind of share of the market when it came to certain styles of wrestling, certain performers that you just looked at that were not going to necessarily 
be going into the WWE system. The WWE system is completely different now. You're competing with them for those talents, and you're competing with many other companies, and audiences only have so much free time every week, so you've got to make a really compelling case for me to dedicate two hours of my week to sit down and follow your product and and see it grow and see that it's it's worth these two hours every week because I've got many options if I'm the wrestling fan at home that has the WWE Network, that has New Japan World, that follows Progress, that follows Lucha Libre. There's just there's so much easily accessible wrestling that you have to differentiate yourself from the pack and make it worth someone's while to invest their time in it. Uh, so that to me is, in a nutshell, what I'm looking at regarding Impact and some of their big struggles for 2018 to, to find a way to make this work. I am for all wrestling companies to be profitable. I am all for my friends, my peers, and more to live a life that I've been able to, to create through hard work and perseverance, but live your life in your dream job. And to me, working in pro wrestling has been my dream job. So I've been very blessed from day one. Didn't make any money for a long time, but finally you hang around, you pay your dues and learn to wear a few hats, you get lucky. I'm wondering when they have a booking meeting and you got some very strong personalities, which is good, not a negative. Where does the buck stop? Ed, Nordholm, Callis, Demore, who? To me, just looking from the outside here, I think that um, I don't think you hire a Don Callis. I don't think you hire a Scott Demore if there's veto power to their ideas. I think that Ed Nordholm and the the, the team around him, the business side, that's where the line is drawn. I think that, you know, with Don Callis and Scott Demore, uh, I understand that like, they're, they're coming in as more than just simply writing the television, producing the talent. I mean, they will be involved um, in the business end of things. But I think when it comes to the core wrestling business, I think when you make hires like that, you have to give them that freedom to uh, sit back and and let them bear out their vision. It I, can't be it can't be something where we're looking at four months and our business numbers are here. Uh, why hasn't this turned around yet? There needs to be patience, and I think you have to give them that kind of leeway to to be able to make those those key wrestling decisions as the wrestling people that Scott Demore and Don Callis represent. That'd be like uh, Robert Kraft owns the New England Patriots telling Belichick and Brady how to play the game. It shouldn't be that way, and hopefully. Ed Nordholm and anybody else involved in it is smart enough to know that handle the business side, dot your I's, cross your T's, and leave the wrestling to the wrestling people. And look, yeah. they're going to need about a year to get all this stuff situated. But a year from now, if you're still at where you were, you got to get rid of their ass and get you two more. And that, that sounds harsh, but you, 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 first of all, leave them alone, let them do their thing. If they can't show positive growth in 12 months, significant positive growth. I'm not talking about doubling your audience, something stupid, but significantly raising your audience to a consistent good number on a weekly basis. If they can't get there in, in a year, they got to go. They got to go. It, it's got to be realistic goals. I think you bring up a great point. And, you know, uh, doubling your business, you know, it's it's got to be baby steps. That's how they have to, to approach things. And I, I think that's key. The days of TNA ever even looking at being a competitor to WWE, you know, that was, makes for a great rally the troops speech. Sure. And, it's but, just but, not realistic. But it was never, so, go, never going to happen. 
No, it wasn't. Impact and TNA and any other name they want to conjure up. I don't care how big their payroll was. And obviously it was too damn big for them to to service. All they kept doing was rearranging the deck furniture on the Titanic. It's going Mm -hmm. down, baby. And I don't think that that is the case. Like the the people that are at Anthem, they have a they have a very realistic look at where they are right now. I don't think anyone would would look at 2017 as this banner year for Impact. They knew what they were buying. They knew it was in rough shape, and this was something that was not going to just turn over overnight. And 2017, to say the least, uh, was a challenging year. But it, I, to me, your goal get as close to break even as possible that should be the immediate goal because when you're just stuck in the red that your hands are tied you can get to break even then we can start the baby steps we're not even at the baby steps process yet and it's just being able to find it's a delicate balancing act you're trying to grow things while at the same time you have to lower certain costs to to get to that break even point you have to supply compelling content to your international partners that are paying for a certain level of product, it, it, it's a balancing act. I mean, you've been in the middle of this you know, your entire career. So th- there's no shortage of challenges uh, for impact. But I think everyone would like to see, a, a, you know, a thriving promotion that can be something different and something that it is. That's my, um, my question more jobs is, for the performance. My question is, how are they going to be different? They're going to be different because i got to search my my direct TV to find pop television, which if I ever watch pop TV, it's just for wrestling. That's it. They have no programming of original programming that I'm interested in. And secondly, they got a brand name that's got shit all over it. It's stained. Called Cornette one time, a shit, or Heyman, a shit stain on the underwear of life, something along those lines. But really, I mean, the name, do you think it's success when you hear that name? I don't. We're talking about branding, which is what... What is that feeling that someone has when they hear that name? Do And you're right. Impact is one that has been, I think it brings up a, a negative connotation to many people. So that's something that, that's a culture change. And that certainly does not happen overnight. That goes down from, it's from the top on down of, of how this company presents itself. I think they're trying something unique now in that they're trying to be very, uh, performer friendly in that they are trying to create a space where performers can take away their characters. Now, is that something as well that is that to the best of the company? It's certainly great for a performer. I know that I can go and if I create something, I can leave with it. Well, the deal is it's the company is not like the promised land and wrestlers are just beating the door down to get down so they can make do five days of TV and hopefully get their money on time, all that good stuff. I, I understand that, but. Man, I'm telling you, they got to be talent-friendly. And pay as best as you can, I'm sure they are. Take better hotels, or at least a you know, decent hotel. If you're going to bring them guys in for multiple days, they live there. And I, I'd rather their ass be in a room that they liked is out walking around town or down the bar somewhere getting shit-faced at night. But I, I think that the, probably a smart move by them, in my opinion, to let their talents utilize their intellectual property elsewhere. Because... You want to solicit the best talents that you can, and you get them for those X number of weeks of TV, and maybe if you're lucky, get them again. But uh, it's a, to me, it's a very daunting thing. But like you said, and, we, and I said earlier, I'm always for more guys getting able to make a living and support their family, take care of their kids. How can any of us bitch and moan about even like WWE creative? That's, I'm sure when you guys talk about WWE on, on your post-Raw uh, podcast, 
there's a lot of philosophical discussions on was that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? I didn't get that. I didn't get this. Or I like that. I didn't like that. Am I right? I mean, kind of a, a movie review for a three-hour sure. wrestling show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's, that's always going to be a, the, a discussion point people are going to have is, you know, just the, uh, you know, looking at what was presented and what were the alternatives and, and what is what is the vision here behind this? That's well, definitely, that's, that's a core uh, question I think anyone has coming out of a show. Because they're the biggest dog in the yard, WWE gets a lot of uh, more attention, and I think rightfully so. If you're going to write about football and you leave out the NFL, you're written on a very good football writer. I'm wondering, rather, what you think WWE, a couple of three things that they're doing really well right now. Well, with WWE at the moment, I think that when you look at what's, what's really working for them, I, I think that it, a lot of it comes down to some of the talent, I feel, that you're – I think they're getting a better sense of talent that is coming up from – NXT kind of looking at talent and how to best slot them onto the main roster. I think that I think they're hitting things pretty well with uh, giving some leeway, especially for for the topper end talent to kind of differentiate themselves with their promos, which to me is something that if you are a wrestling promotion or an individual out there that's really trying to stand out, um, this goes beyond WWE. Is that to me? You have so much great wrestling out there that you can differentiate yourself by being a tremendous speaker in this current climate. I think that is going to capture the attention of decision makers a lot more today than being go- being able to go out and be a state-of-the-art performer because there's such a huge plethora of great performers out there that if I want to really separate myself, I'm doing promos every day to get better at that part of the art and to, to separate myself. So I, I think that you get that at the, at the, at the top end. Um, if you look at the kind of the brand split and where we are now, I think on they've certainly been, been hurt a little bit over the last number of months, particularly on the raw side with just unfortunate injuries, which is that's just part of the game. But you look at the Shield reunion and just the issues they've had first with Roman missing some time. Now Dean Ambrose is out. Um, that's unfortunate, and it forces you to have to to scramble things, but. I think you typically see the best of the company during these forthcoming months when you have that vision locked down for WrestleMania and you're working backwards and building things up and everyone, you're starting to see the plans in place, who everyone's dance partner is for the next number of months. And that to me is when the company really thrives is when that, that end goal is set in stone and now you're seeing the, the progression. What do you think of their advancement and promotion of females because i'm a fan of it call that the may young classic with the uh, leader enjoyed it enjoyed all of it there's a lot of female talent if there's available wwe has signed a bunch and are signing more i understand but what do you think about the announcement of the royal rumble and uh, tag along question will ronda rousey be in it if it was me putting this together i don't think i would put ronda rousey in the actual match to me i would i would have her in the front row, and it's the announcement that Ronda Rousey is at the Royal Rumble. Why is she at the Royal Rumble? And you come out of it um, with a lot of intrigue. You know she's in the mix. You know there's plans. What are those plans? Uh, to me, Ronda Rousey, I think her first match should be at WrestleMania. Me too. Um, me too. It, in a big setting. Um, I know that there would be a tremendous amount of promotion if she was in the Royal Rumble. It would definitely make the first women's Royal Rumble very 
historic and notable that you have someone like Ronda Rousey that's going to garner so much attention beyond what your core women are going to be able to generate on their own. That's just the reality of a superstar like Ronda Rousey. But to me, um, the bigger play is you, you promote the Royal Rumble as is. It's pretty noteworthy in and of itself. Ronda Rousey is a talking point coming out of the Royal Rumble, and then WrestleMania is the big stage for her first match. Yeah, you want the buzz for the first match to be at WrestleMania, no doubt about it. And there's a lot of really good talents she could work with. There's a long list. Very interesting matches. I don't know if they do it this year. I don't think they do it at all. Every time I say something about it, people think I'm, uh, you know, I got this inside dirt. I don't. I'm just saying that she's a box office attraction. Ronda Rousey in WWE is a match made in box office heaven. End of story. It may be a one-off. It may be a couple of matches a year. She may just want to do one to see how it feels. She's a competitor. She's a perfectionist. She's got great people around her. So I, I kind of think that she can transition faster than a lot of guys. I heard it uh, with Floyd Mayweather. And I think Rousey, first of all, Mayweather adapted really well. He got it. And he also potatoed Big Show to break his nose and get all that juice that nobody counted on added, as an added bonus. And it built something nice for WrestleMania 24. It was a great match on the card. Great. Now, I'm thinking that uh, something along her being the enforcer, you almost want to see what she thinks is going to be some physical. There's two schools of thought on that. You don't let her touch anybody, nobody touch her, or you give just a little dab, just a little bit that I'm not to be screwed around with. I don't know. It's interesting, but I don't know if it's going to be this year. You know, John, by next year, by 19, Rhonda could be still be happily married with a family or something. Who knows, right? It's something that, um, you know, her future is – there's many different ways that things could go for her. I mean, she's always kind of talked about having a family. The fact is, she's she's still being tested in the USADA testing pool. She hasn't shut the door yet completely on mixed martial arts, which no fighter is just staying in a USADA testing pool because <laughs> they enjoy that 6 a.m. interaction with a tester coming to their doorstep. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that you have to have a reason uh, for continuing that. So she's never... She's never retired officially, and there's the acting options that are going to come her way as well um, that have already come her way. So there's many avenues for Ronda Rousey. I think the key thing, um, and you brought up Floyd Mayweather, is that I think we've seen over the years the ones that are fans seem to be the ones that they, they take this seriously. Yeah. They don't want to go out there and embarrass themselves. They know what this is. This isn't a paycheck for them. It's something that is uh, they want to – they're all in. And Floyd Mayweather was all in, uh, and I don't think anyone doubts Ronda Rousey will be all in. She's a fan, and I think already um, that's half the battle when you're bringing in someone of that notoriety. If they're a fan, you know you're going to get their, their best foot forward. Always appreciate John Pollock dropping by. He'll be back next week. to uh, We'll finish our conversation. A lot of un, unplowed ground to discuss with John Pollock. That's an Oklahoma term, I think. I just made it up, so help of any turn. Use it yourself. I don't care. Uh, Ron Harris, I care about talking to him, that big rascal. He's one of the executives, one of the owners of a brand-new wrestling promotion that we're going to talk about for the first time right here this week. But right now, i got something for you from one of our oldest sponsors and one of the tops, the good friends of ours at True Car. Now, if you're looking to buy a car, folks, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it 
actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, geez, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. I'm confused reading it. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing true price from true car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car that you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. How would you like to have that info? That's good stuff. True car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because true car shows you what other people paid for the same car that you want. And your certified dealers know this. So they're true price competitively so that they can win your business. In other words, make you the best deal. So when you're ready to buy a new or a used car, ladies and gentlemen, it's really simple. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. What say you, Dean? Well, uh, some features are not available in all states. Thank God, Jen is. Hi, I'm Daniel Rue, host of Real GM Radio, where every week I go in-depth on NBA basketball through conversations with some of the brightest basketball minds out there, including Kevin Pelton, Nate Duncan, Chris Herring, Tim Bontemps, and team experts from all around the league. We try to separate the truth from the noise for players, teams, and NBA draft prospects alike with a focus on the basketball itself. If you want to know what is coming next in the NBA and why, there is no better place to turn than the weekly episodes of Real GM Radio. You can find us exclusively at podcastonesports.com or the new Podcast One app. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. All right, folks, before we welcome Ron Harris to the broadcast, uh, I want to tell you that I appreciate all of you that are going to Apple Podcasts and subscribing to our show. You are aware that it costs you nothing, but it helps us immensely. So it's a solid. I kind of need you to do me a solid. Go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the Ross Report, and uh, leave us a five-star rating. Uh, I'll take a five-star. And a few comments, and we appreciate it. Helps us a bunch in our marketing efforts and our advertising efforts. Business is good. The podcast is growing. But we got to keep the subscriptions uh, as a priority. So Apple Podcasts is your location. The Ross Report is your show. And I thank you. This is the Ross Report. Always good to catch up with old friends here on the Ross Report. This gentleman is a man I worked with uh, many times in WWE, Ron Harris. Ron, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, nice to talk to you, buddy. Yes, sir. It's been quite a while. It sure has. Ron and Don, the Harris twins, uh, wreaked havoc, ladies and gentlemen, many, many times. He never had to worry where they stood. And I will get in the foxhole with the Ron and Don Harris any day. So I'm excited about your... Tell me the right name of this thing. Aerolucha. Aero is A-R-O-L-U-C-H-A. Aerolucha. Yeah. We're talking about here is you're starting a new wrestling promotion. And you, yeah. shot, you shot a pilot. I saw some clips of the pilot. look really, really good on television. So tell me, Ron, what was the stimulant to try to get a new promotion off the ground in uh, this day and time? To be honest, just to kind of backtrack, my brother and I have been thinking about this project for probably five or six years. And we've talked to people about it over the years. And um, we, we've always just thought about it. If you're looking at the United States, the majority of the Latino Hispanic community, if they want to watch wrestling 
or go to a, a wrestling event, they have to to go to either you know something like a Ring on or Impact, um, WWE next. So and see some of their luchadors on there, but as a whole, they don't have a true lucha libre. Um, roster that they can really get behind like they do in, in Mexico, whether it be AAA or CMLL or Crash um, is a new promotion that, that um, Conan was involved in. So um, th- that's what they would have to do. So we always thought, you know, because the Hispanic population and the Latino population is growing so significantly in the United States, and it's such a massive part of our culture here in the United States now that um, it just kind of made sense to try to create a Lucha Libre company, a touring company that would service that community across the United States within the within the borders of the United States. A true Lucha Libre um, company that was Spanish speaking mostly. Um, that would service that that type of um, of community here in the United States. You've done your homework, obviously. There's a place there. There's a slice for somebody to come in and fill it. You know, fill that niche. Yeah. But the TV taping, as I understand it, and correct me, Ronnie, if I'm wrong, but it was to basically make a a pitch reel to show networks or stations or what your show's going to look like. And I thought, right. uh, based on what I saw. You know, I, I, uh, Raphael Morphy is a friend of mine. He works with me on my book tours and my ringside shows and all that stuff. And then, of course, my old friend Keith Mitchell, I've known for over 30 years. I remember driving him and Dan Bynum around Atlanta when they came in for a visit uh, way back in the in the day, back in the late 80s. So you got, yeah. good, you got good people around you. That helps me a lot because some of these wrestling startups that didn't start up long, the owners, the guys had the money and the, the skin in the game, sometimes didn't surround themselves with the right people. It sounds like from a showrunner and in the truck perspective that you, Raphael and Keith were two very key hires for you. Am I right? Uh, you're very right. I, and kind of going back history-wise, um, of course, like you said, we've been in WCW, we've been in ECW, we've been in WWE, we've been in Japan, we've, we've been everywhere. Uh, um, and we've worked with you quite extensively over the years in, in the different promotions. So we've gotten to know quite a quite a few people, yeah. And then even going back to uh, um, the early days in TNA, when TNA started, it was Bob Ryder, Jeff Jarrett, and Jerry Jarrett with their idea. Um, they and a lot of people, I'm sure, will have no idea about this, but I was actually TNA's very first employee that they ever hired. Wow, and they they brought me in and to to fulfill all the music needs and to fill, fulfill all the production needs. So we we started building that the four of us out in Hendersonville from the ground up. So I've had a, quite a bit of experience on starting uh-huh. a new promotion from the ground up, both good and bad. I mean we we've. We made a lot of mistakes with TNA, and we learned a lot. And we, you know, we went all the different directions. And and then even even Dixie Carter, um, when we hired Dixie Carter, she was our um, uh, PR person in the in the the beginning phases. So so that's how um, she became involved with TNA in the very early days. So um, that, that's kind of so. 
moving moving fast forward, I've got to know all these people over the years, and and I always laughed. And, and when people start new promotions and stuff, there's there's kind of a there's a group of people that they say these are the only guys that can do it. Then there's a group of people that we we always call just the yes men that's just mm-hmm. going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. Your diamond dozen, um, and, diamond dozen and, and on every it, corner. It, Exactly, and that's and I don't. That's what I do not want. And then there was the guys that work behind the scenes. And like I say, between myself and my brother, the the work that we did with with Impact over the years, we got to know a lot of quality quality people behind the scenes, like your Keith Mitchell and Rocket and Greg Warner and and Raphael, especially. Just is phenomenal. Who's who's worked either. Like I say, whether it's Rafi or Keith or some of these other people, they've worked extensively in WWE or WCW. And uh, Keith, Keith is a perfect example. Keith has so much knowledge of the business and how to how to run a production team and stuff. And, and I think he's he's kind of over not overlooked certainly by us in the back, but but he's not put for in the forefront as much as he probably should have with his with his extensive knowledge. So it, we we kind of laugh about it, and, and my brother and I, and it's kind of like a bunch of misfits in the <laughs> business that, you know, the guys that don't, that are behind the scenes that never really get all, get the credit that they probably should get. But we know that it's a very, very solid team, and that's what we've done. We've gone out and put together these, these group of guys and and we we've talked about this over the years, but now that we're actually doing it, I mean we have extensive meetings and talks and both about the the Latino and Hispanic community as a whole, how to service them, who we bring in, the talent, uh, everything. It's, it's it's very well thought out, very well planned out. And I know there's a lot of people that go, oh, these guys are just a bunch of wrestlers or or uh, don't really know what they're doing, how is this going to work, when in reality they have no idea how many years of experience in the wrestling business we have, and not only just as talent, but just behind the scenes. Well, that's the thing so, about it. A lot of people don't know that you guys are also have, have and are, have worked with a lot of country music people, touring yeah. and uh, performing more specifically. Yeah. So uh-huh. you're not foreign to that and you certainly got, you ought to have a wrestling background. I had Conan on my podcast here uh, recently, and uh, what a great guest he was. I've always, yeah. been, I've always been impressed with Carlos's uh, instincts and his knowledge, and he's kind of become like the godfather of these, of these Lucha guys. He's been all over the world. He's got a great reputation. He's got a hell of a mind, but maybe more than anything, he, he can get your match in the ring and make sure it's executed to what you want. And I think you're doing a great hire with him. Absolutely, absolutely, and- and man, it's the same thing. We go back with Conan, you know, twenty years probably. So, so we've known him, you know, all through the WCW days, Impact days, you know, and, and so on. So, when we started thinking about doing a lucha company, the you know, the one critical thing that we thought about is, okay, who are we going to hire? That just just like you were talking about, both has written lucha, that has wrestled lucha, mm-hmm. and that is highly thought of by all the new young talent that's out there, and respected, 
and uh, and he meets all of that. I mean, he goes all the way back to the AAA days when 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 he AAA was starting against CMLL and stuff. He was one of the key factors in 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 the success of AAA, not only as as um, a writer, but as one of their star talents. And then, and then fast forward back to the end of WCW when Eric Bischoff started bringing in a lot of Mexican talent. Um, he was instrumental in that, um, in working with Eric and, and bringing a lot of those guys to America, you know, to begin with. Very sharp guy, high IQ, no doubt about that. He's like your offensive coordinator and player personnel yeah. guy. He's going to get he's yeah. going to get the matches in the ring that you want. And, uh, yep. he's, and he's going to be able to communicate with these young guys because, Ronnie, we're all kind of old school people here. And, and yep. uh, you and me talking here. And I believe that there's an argument that can be made for young talents are trying to do too much. They're taking too mm-hmm. many bumps, trying to hit, do a flat back on the ring apron. Ain't no fun. I don't give a damn who you yep. are. Or taking flat backs on a concrete floor. Ain't no fun. And Conan had an interesting. He said, you, you got to let the young dogs run. But at some point in time, their body's going to say, okay, let's slow this down a little bit. And when I say slow it down, people automatically think, oh, God, JR just wants a rest hold at a rest hold. I don't even know what the hell a rest hold is. That's a lazy man's way. And it's just a little bit of that insider knowledge that people have from reading the Internet that they never yeah. become geniuses. I love the one they called me and said, what do you think so-and-so is going to get their push? Hell, I don't know. Why, 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 why would I know? <laughs> why do I need to know, by the way? That's another thing. But the thing about it is Conan... I think it's going to be able to manage those kids. And boy, you got some really talented young young athletes that are are going to compete for for you. And of course, it's all led by it. You got Ray Mysterio involved. Yeah, Ray. Ray was at our first show, and um, uh, of course, he's just phenomenal. You know, what I mean, he's probably the best lucha wrestler, well known wrestler of all time. Um, and and then we just have a, a ton of other guys and. A lot of young talent and stuff. There's a there's a kid that's probably my favorite named um, Sammy Guevara, and um, just a 23 year old kid that just is ripped up and really good looking kid. But his in in ring work and what he can do is just over the top. So I mean, there's got there's so much talent out there, and you, I, gosh, I I mean, you know, from back in your day when you were in talent relations, Jim. I mean, there's just there's so much talent then, there's so much talent now. It's just you know, the guys got to have a chance or an opportunity to to come to the forefront. And in in lucha, I mean, if you're not in Mexico, there's a bunch of small independents across the country. But then the only other one was really lucha underground. And lucha underground does TV, but um, they they're not a torn company, um, at least not yet. But I don't know if they have plans on that or if they don't have plans on that, you know, but we're going to give, whether we have a TV deal, whether we have a digital deal, we're certainly going to have a touring format. And it's just going to give all these kids a different place and a different outlet to go to in in the United States. And you know how that is. And once you get moving and once you get going, you know, they start just rising up and beating your door down and saying, hey, can we work for Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah, you're not going to have any problem getting fresh talent. Wrestling fans, no. Ron, wrestling fans, Ron, want new. They want different yeah. and they want a little bit yeah. of variety. And there's plenty yeah. of young talents out there that are not so overexposed that they're yesterday's news from day one. Yeah. And then, like yeah. you said, you got Ray Mysterio, which is a tremendous name identity. He's a Hall of Fame guy. Mm-hmm. 
and he's one that you know. I signed him originally in WWE, but I remember having a meeting wow. with him back in the in the Staples Center. He told me what he's making, just guarantee at WCW. And I said, "Well, I can't guarantee you that number. However, yeah. you're going to make a lot more money than that when you sign." It's like uh, SummerSlam to to January, so August to the rest of the year, beginning in August. There, I said, "Why don't you do this? Why don't you stay home and take care of your family and enjoy your family and let your old war wounds heal a little bit? Keep taking Time Warner's money until it runs out." And then the day yeah. it runs out, you let me know, and I'll sign you. So I did. That's exactly how we did it. He, he took the fall and the winter uh, with his family, he, two young kids at that time. Yeah. And it made all the sense in the world. But he came to work for us. And very soon, uh, on a lot less downside, he was knocking down seven figures. Boom, boom, oh, yeah. boom. Merchandise. Yeah. Everything. He was, right on, he was the guy. So uh, I think that's a great guy to build around. The only thing, you know, Ron, about that is – you don't want to wear the guy out, obviously. If he's not on TV every week, he stays special. You build equity in your investment in him. If you do overexpose him, then you're taken away from your own investment, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that 100%. I saw this online, and this is one of those eye-rolling deals. You answer to it any way you want. Sure. But I saw in there, you know, you get the normal cynics that say, oh, there's a money mark somewhere getting bled again. So, you know, that would mm-hmm. do it. It's always that way. Everybody's yeah. that way. So now you hired Vince Russo. He is a polarizing figure, to say the least. Some yeah. people love him. Some people don't. But what will he be doing for your company? And uh, did you expect a little backlash when he, when he brought him on board? Absolutely. Absolutely. I expected backlash. Um, and, and whether you like Vince or you don't like Vince, you, you have to look at his numbers. And, and you go, okay, he was at WWE during their peak. He was at WCW, you know, kind of after the Bischoff years when it was winding down, so that was a little bit stacked. But then he was at Impact at their peak when they were, you know, drawing, you know, two million viewers a week. Um, and so he's he's had a lot of success. The the thing with Vince, and I'll even step outside of this and go and say, and not just Vince, it can be Vince, it can be Conan, it can be John Gaborik, it could be you know, road dog up in um, WWE. It can be anybody. Anybody that's that's on a writing staff um, and they're good at what they do or they think they're good at what they do at least, they should be very passionate about their ideas and their storylines. And and the the thing is, is you just got to have somebody that can manage that. And um, the problem with with I think Vince and a lot of people over the impact years, and, and even Jeff. Jeff. Jeff's not an easy figure. Jeff Jarrett was is not an easy figure to deal with. They all any creative person just thinks their ideas are the best, and their their storylines are the best. So there has to be a definitive person, you know, at the top of that list that makes those decisions and say, yeah, I like this or I don't like this. Of course, in in WWE, you know who that is. Sure. I mean, I mean, it, it's Vince. I, the, one of the best things when I signed with Vince in '93 was yeah. that I finally got to have a wrestling boss. The first one since Bill Watts. Uh-huh. They didn't have to answer to a litany of people. Yeah, and I got the answer. It's either yes or no. A lot of guys. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Let me get back to you. All they're telling you is they're going to future you till they get an answer from somebody higher up than them. Because you're yep. actually talk, you are actually talking to the wrong guy. But I'll get yep. back to you. You're I, exactly I, right. I love the you're fact exactly that right. hey, look, and when these talents 
communicating with talents and what's one of Conan's great skills is imperative. But the talents also know that you and your brother have laced boots, have wrestled around the world, and understand the culture, which would give me, as a young talent, I look for you to you guys to be a mentor. I want you to make yeah. me better yeah. than I was when I got here. And I think the, a lot of it, it, like we said, I don't, I'm not skipping over Vince. Vince, Vince like I say, I, I like Vince. I've worked for Vince a number of times. I've had arguments with Vince's talent where I agree with him. I didn't agree with him. Hell, I've disagreed with him where I've in WCW where I've gotten suspended for two months. You know because we were we were kind of hard to deal with as talent. You know because we were a little aggressive or a lot aggressive. <laughs> but at the end of the day, whether Vince and Conan both, they've been in numerous situations in numerous places. But they both bring a lot to the table. I love Vince because Vince thinks outside of the box and he brings things to the table that's not just straightforward and straight wrestling. And then Conan can say, well, you can do this in Lucha, you can't do this in Lucha. And then at the end of the day, the decision comes down to us and we say yes or no. And and it's a very, very defined system and, and, and they're okay with that. I welcome... I, like I say, I don't want somebody to just to go, yes, yes, yes. I welcome discussion. I welcome argument as long as it's productive to make the product better or to make the team better or to make the company better. At the end of the day, when we walk out or the end of the week when we walk out, if we're in a better place, I'm all for that. I've, I've been involved in way too much with backstabbing and mm. stuff going on that you don't even know is happening to you. And um, and I think that uh, that was uh, the problem with Impact, and I'm and not dogging Impact in any way because I, I've worked there for numerous years. But the problem there was there was no, just like you said, there was no definitive person that that made the decisions and. And the boys had too much control of what was going on when they were in there, and and it was it was in my opinion there was just a lot of mismanagement, and and I've learned from from working there I've seen it, you know on top of I've been in I've been in all of them from Impact the WCW and WWE so I've seen the good and bad in, in all of them, and and what my brother and I have tried to do uh, with our partner partner Jason is take all the best elements and and put them in this company and then go, well, when other things arise, go, well, no, we have experience and we have knowledge of why this didn't work in the past and to stay away from it. You mentioned Jason. That's Jason Brown. Tell, Brown. Me, tell me who Jason Brown is, Ron. <laughs> Jason Brown is, is our partner here in Nashville. He owned a marketing company called Aerolux Marketing. And, um, gosh, about four years ago, there's, a, there's the big booking agencies in, in the world, of course, are William Morris Endeavor, um, CAA, um, and Monterey, which is, uh, United now or APA. So those are your big booking agencies that book anywhere from LeBron James to the, you know Peyton Manning to movie stars to TV stars to you know just a variety of things and move, create movies and fun movies and all these different different things. So we had a great relationship with with CAA because. I had a lot of my um, 
country artists book through CAA. And and then we've also done some movie work. We've done some Christian movies and things of that nature through our production company with uh, Mark Miller and Sawyer Brown and Beach Street Records. So there was a gentleman that had just come to Nashville named Jason Brown. And he, he made some movies out in L.A., a couple of movies and, and stuff. And he was kind of wanting to start a production company. He had his marketing company. But he was wanting to start fast forward and start a, a production company here in Nashville. And he was friends with Blake over at CAA, which was the agent that I'd done a lot of business with. So Blake just introduced the two of us and said, hey, I think you guys need to go um, have lunch and just, just talk. And so we got together and, um, and had a meeting and really hit it off. And which led to a few more meetings, and and we decided to open up a production company called Airlux Media. Just to give you an idea of what, what we do, and you can go to airluxmedia.com and kind of check it out, and it'll show some of our work. But we do stuff from from low budget movies, low budget movies being a million and a half and million to a million and a half. We do local commercials. Um, we do national commercials like the Cochran Firm, a lot of dental and law commercials of that nature, local buying, TV buying things. So that that's our, our production company. And and then um, we just had Steve Small had left Impact, who was the head of production. And my brother and I had just stopped by Impact one day to meet um, Dean Broadhead. And um, he had mentioned that Steve left, so we kind of came on on as consultants, and we ran the consulting fee and stuff through our Aerolux Media Company, which is how Jason kind of got familiarized with the wrestling world. Mm-hmm. And um, so then we we kind of consulted, and um, they were having financial problems and, and stuff, which everyone knows. So we ended up funding TNA for quite some time, and we actually had the opportunity to to purchase it, and we decided that it just wasn't in our best interest in in interbidding Billy Corrigan and Anthem and you know all that soap opera, and um, then <laughs> Anthem ended up purchasing it, and we did pro- production for TNA out of Universal Studios for for quite a while for. For a few couple of years, and I think our last production was January of, of this this year that we finished up um, with with Impact out at Universal Studios. So Jason got quite an education. You know, he jumped into the fire. It was great consulting, but then I got really involved in the actual you know talking about purchasing it and things of that nature. And Anthem ended up getting it and. Once we finished in January, that's when we really thought, okay, now that we're out of out of that, what do we want to do? We want to increase our footprint um, with Airlux Media here in Nashville on on um, the commercial space and the production space, of course. But then Donnie and I got with Jason. We're like, look, we, this is something we've been thinking about for five, six years, and and we just think the opportunity because. To be honest, even in the Anglo world, the, the the wrestling people get kind of burnt out, and it's the same stuff. And there's 
so much product out there, whether it's Impact, whether it's Next, whether it's Ring of Honor and WWE. Everybody, but, you know, Ronnie, everybody wants a new star. Everybody uh, wants to see a new yeah. star. And, and Lutz is a new thing, kind of. And so it was just, we're going, this is the right time. So the three of us got together with with um, Bill and Kathy Kimmel, who are our other partners, and and the five of us own it, and there we go. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be an exciting run, no doubt. Who are your English speaking commentators for the TV show? You know what? We just did the pilot, and we have not decided who is going to be the, doing our commentary yet. Uh, we we were going to make that decision. We're fin- we're editing the pilot, and then we'll do voiceovers when we get back from from Christmas break and. That's one of the things that we're kind of going back and forth, trying to figure out who's going to be be doing our voiceovers. And there's some young guys out there that are, I would say, affordable and looking for yeah. a break. And I'll tell you something. Yeah. From my career, my standpoint, you know, I, I backed into the business in general, period. But uh, get Cowboy Bill Watts giving me the chance to do play-by-play, I was so ignorant and young that I didn't really realize the pressure that was on me. I was too stupid to understand yeah. it. This is a hell of a job here. It's a hell of an opportunity. And then when I went to Atlanta and I got on TBS, I started kicking some ass there and making some real money. (laughs) You know, well, it's good. You know, I didn't have to take a lot of, I didn't take most for it and cut my head off, all that good stuff that guys like to talk about. And that's true. My point I'm making is this. Somebody is going to get a hell of an opportunity to be uh, uh, your your English-speaking voice. There may be others, but there can only be one guy to be the first. And so uh, good luck on that hire. and. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. And if you have any suggestions when we get off the air, I, I welcome it. All right. <laughs> I'll think about it. Really, I'll think about that. Yeah, the, uh, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious. Ron Harris is on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, at Ron Arolucci. I'll spell it for you. At Ron, A-R-O-L-U-C-H-A. And then, of course, Arolucci uh, can be found at Arolucci on Twitter, at Arolucci.com also. Here's the thing. When you're Googling, you're checking it out, it's A-R-O, folks, Aero Lucha. Lucha is spelled L-U-C-H-A. So give them a follow and check, check out their site because you got a big live event coming up. You guys didn't uh, let the paint dry on the new trailer, so no, to speak, before you're on no, the road. Man. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're hitting Amarillo on the 19th of Jan- January and then Lubbock on the, the 20th of January. So that, that's the thing. And, and, and like I say, I know there's going to be a lot of critics out there, but – We've we've really thought this out and and and, and I think done a, a good job at thinking it out. I just ask that people give us a good, honest look and give us a chance and not be negative. There's going to be and here's the thing, Jim. It's like with any new company. There's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some bumps here and there that 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 we might not see coming or. Well, that we hadn't planned on, but but with the guys that we have and the team that we have, we'll we'll fix it very quickly and and moving forward. And and I'd I'd love to get with you again in three months or six months and and kind of have an update and and let you know where we are and and have an, have another conversation about how we're doing. I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. You guys, uh, I only wish you the very best of luck in the new year. And again, folks, Thank you. Uh, Arrow Lucha. A-R-O-L-U-C-H-A, at Arrolucha on Twitter, Arrolucha.com. So if you're wondering where they're going to tour, when they're going to tour, how to get tickets, all that good stuff, then go on their website and bookmark it Absolutely. at uh, Arrolucha.com. 
com. Man, Ronnie, I really appreciate you getting on with me today. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. you got a good team around you, and uh, I'm glad. Thank that, you. And, they should, and those kids will appreciate uh, knowing you're going to either talk to the horse. My dad said, son, you're better off talking to the horse's head than the horse's ass. So yeah. we knew the yeah. horse's heads. <laughs> we knew who the heads are in that company. So, and those kids <laughs> should like that. They should like that. They they should. And that the one thing with with me and with my brother, and this is the way it was even when we were talent. And with you, you were you were always very honest with us. And that's the one thing as talent, I always said, man, I don't care if it's good news. I don't care if it's bad news. I just want the straight talk and the real news. Yep. And so I know where I'm at. And and that's the one thing in this business that I, that I think that that everybody's going to appreciate. There's not going to be any BS. We're going to be very straight up about where where we are and what we're doing and, and how we're doing. And um, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be very successful. And I look look forward to it. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. And um, I thank you for having me on today. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me, Jim. You bet, Ron. Have a great new year. I wish you guys nothing yeah. but the best. Say, say hi to your, to your brother on my behalf. And, uh, And I'm pulling for you guys. So uh, thanks for jumping on. And folks, follow Arrow Lucha. It's a new promotion. They've got live events coming up imminently. So check it all out. Uh, And if you're in the Lubbock or Amarillo area, you should damn sure check out AeroLucha.com. Ronnie, thank you, buddy. Good hearing your voice. Thank you, man. You too, Jim. It was a pleasure. The Ross Report. The Ross Report. Big thanks again to the big man, Ron Harris, for taking time to join me here on The Ross Report to talk about Arrow Lucha. Encourage you guys to check them out. Check them out online as well, airlucha.com. A new promotion. Wish them the very best. They know their demographic, as you heard. Uh, there's a reason for them promoting this show, as much Latino content as they are. I get it. Uh, I think they got a shot. And it's all going to be talent driven and how much you deliver at the live events. And, and you create a demand for folks who want to come see your product again. Now, with the uh, social media as it is, you know, you get a. You get it almost like getting a restaurant review. You get a you get a review right before the dessert. Seems like so it's quick. So people, you'll know if folks like it or not, and uh, it might influence you to buy a ticket. But I check them out. Good guys, all all those guys I know there. Arrow Lucha, Ray Mysterio involved. You know you're going to get a quality product. So good stuff. And our friend uh, Conan's there. I think it's some smart guys there. So uh, hey, I'm pulling for you guys. Come on, let's go. Next week, uh, John will be back. Uh, John Pollock, I'm talking about, will be back with us. We're going to talk about uh, Brock Lesnar, Conor McGregor, and the WWE. And, well, so John's a big fan and follower of the New Japan brand. We'll talk about that. And what he thinks about the possible return of the XFL, if that is the real name. Just a quick reminder that Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling, is uh, doing amazingly well. We're blessed. We thank you all. Uh, Amazon has all the books, Amazon UK. I think there's books in Amazon Australia. So Amazon's a great source and you know, bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey, bookends.com is, uh, another spot that has books signed and they'll ship them to you anywhere. Bookends.com in New Jersey, check them out. Obviously Barnes and Noble books, a million. So uh, a lot of great places to buy our book. And a lot of really exciting things about this book are starting to uh, develop, which we're very, very grateful for that as well. I remember uh, the Royal Rumble will be uh, January 28th, Sunday, January 28th. I'll have my first 
Slobberknocker Sessions. For the price of a of your admission, you get a free hardcover book, Slobberknocker, signed by me to you with the description that you choose. We'll do a selfies together. We'll have the Q&A, the meet and greet. So all those things for the price of a ticket. We're selling 100 tickets, and they're selling pretty quickly at TicketFly.com. Love to see you there. We'll entertain you. We'll answer your questions. It'll be a very uh, unique gathering of like folks. And so uh, I invite you to join us. Jeremy Borash and I will be uh, handling that. We will make you laugh, and we'll answer your questions. Sometimes we're actually half-assed intelligent. And again, that's uh, at TicketFly.com for our Slobberknocker Sessions. Be held at the uh, Citizens Bank Ballpark Diamond Club. Mm-hmm. Sunday, January 28th at noon, local time in Philly. Appreciate you guys listening to the show as always. You know, our audience is so consistent. I appreciate that. I know, I know you guys are reliable. You're there. And I appreciate that very much. And I'll try to work harder and even do a better show. We've got some interesting guests coming up in the next few weeks as well. Bruce Pritchard and Conrad. Oh, Connie, I love those chicks. Conrad. I could tell Conrad. Conrad's my mom. Conrad Thompson and I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have them on separately. Just so they can tell on the other guy, right? You gotta full, fully disclose. I need the darn Conrad. Such a cute man. So good guest coming up in the next few weeks, without a doubt. We've got some good stuff uh next week, as a matter of fact, too. And in any event, a new show comes out every Tuesday, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, downloaded. So if you subscribe for free, you already knew that, and you already know you get your show automatically downloaded when it's dropped. Certainly had a great time again. I want to thank all the guys at uh, Access TV, last week's voiceover session for the uh, Russell Kingdom show. Some great stuff coming up in, in the ensuing Friday nights on Access TV. Check them out. DirecTV, Dish Network. So... I hope you'll be checking it out. I really enjoyed the show. I thought the two guys, uh, Okada and Naito, closed a major event with a match that had ample identity and exclusivity to what they did and the story they told. You saw two guys that somewhere you got. we have to be realistic and say that the opportunities on that stage for those two guys to get it on again are not real likely. Could it happen? Of course it could happen. Of course it could happen. And if you're a contrarian, you've already thought of 10 ways it could happen, right? I'm just saying Mother Nature, Father Time, sometimes don't have a great relationship. And these guys work hard. They, 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 they wrestle hard. They bump hard. So you just hope that uh, we all will go back and enjoy that match again at Naito and Okada and see how two top pros close a major show. And they did that. I thought that, uh, you know, the, the, there was a lot of pressure on Chris Jericho, the world's toughest cruise master, and uh, Kenny Omega, two guys from Winnipeg, two guys that uh, had a familiarity to some degree with the other, even from afar. You know, Omega influenced by Jericho's career, Jericho becoming a big star, especially after he came to work for the WWE, signed by... <clears throat> Myself and Jerry Briscoe, but uh, he, he he's had an amazing run there. And look, if anybody thinks he's he's had his last run in WWE, really? Do you really think that? Come on. Do you think he's going to f- start another full time career in New Japan? Really? Do you think that? I don't think so. 
But I do think that uh, Omega and uh, Jericho will dance again somewhere, sometime. But we know that somewhere along the way, it's, it's going to be Jericho and Naito. They had their big brouhaha after uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, there's that on the horizon, which should be really good. Remember, the sponsors at Podcast One, podcastone.com, just click on the Killer Deals button at the top right corner of the page, bia, bia. And then click on the Ross Report banner. I'd prefer if you drop the bonnet elbow on it, though, however, if you will. As he laid there, buck naked, Mr. Barnett gazed upon the massive frame of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, when he uttered the famous words, Are you an assassin or an errand boy? Oh, my God. I almost changed team. But Mr. Barnett, Connie will be here in the next few weeks. I love Connie. Well, next week, his sidekick, partner in crime, Bruce Pritchard's going to join us. And we'll also have John Pollock part two. Good show next week, folks. Good show. So until next week, uh, remember, try to do nice things for people that aren't expecting it. You know, you're supposed to do nice things for your loved ones, your family, and people that you know. It's the folks that you don't know that it really makes an impact. It has a positive impact, I think. So do something nice for somebody that doesn't know you. Can you open the door, please? Thank you. A smile. A lot of ways to help facilitate that. It makes it a better world. You just all contribute a little bit to that. It's this process called life, and sometimes it comes back and pays dividends, right? That's my suggestion for this, for this day. And remember, folks, uh, as we've all come to know, my, myself included, our tomorrows are never guaranteed. So until next week, when I'll be right back here in uh, my home state of Oklahoma. I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Ross Report. Download a brand new episode every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. The classified memo controversy. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Democrats are accusing Republicans of altering a classified memo on the Russia investigation, just as they prepare for it to be released to the public. AP Washington correspondent Sagar Magani. Hours after President Trump was overheard saying he's 100 percent in favor of releasing a classified memo on the Russia investigation, the FBI says it has grave concerns over the document's accuracy. House Intelligence Committee Republicans wrote the memo, which they say shows the FBI improperly used surveillance in early stages of a probe into potential Trump campaign ties to Russia. The top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee says now that the committee's vote to release the memo is invalid because it was secretly altered by the Republicans who wrote it. A spokesman for Chairman Devin Nunez says the changes were minor edits to the memo, including grammatical fixes. I'm Rita Foley. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.